Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is the Daily Keenon podcast about today's global crisis. The coronavirus pandemic is dramatically disrupting not only our own daily lives, but also society itself. This show features conversations with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers about the deeper economic, political, and technological consequences of the pandemic. It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. Hello, everybody. It is February the 22nd, uh, 2021. In a normal year, the Oscars would have already happened and we'd be arguing uh, about which film should or shouldn't have won the awards. This year, because of COVID, the uh, Oscars have been delayed. One of the early films that everyone's talking about is Nomadland uh, with Francis McDormand. It's supposed to be a really outstanding film. I haven't seen it yet, uh, but it's it's a film which, according to some media, is defying Hollywood ageism. It's about work and the changing nature of work in America. Supposedly, it turns American iconography inside out. I don't quite know what that means. I don't know what American iconography is. I guess it's about freedom, liberation, meaning, and happiness, suggesting that the more freedom you have in work, uh, the less happy you are. We had the author of the original book, Nomadland, on the uh, show um, a few weeks ago, talking about the changing work habits in America and in contrast with Hollywood, this is the real face, I think, of the casual worker, the new precariat in America, uh, working for companies like Amazon, uh, living on the road and going from gig to gig, the gig economy. Uh, Part-time work then, of course, has created a lot of critics of, of our new economy, but not everybody is critical. Uh, my guest today, Annie Auerbach, has a new book out. She's based in London. The book is called Flex, Reinventing Work for a Smarter, Happier Life. Um, Annie, uh, tell me about Flex. Why is it potentially, in team, at least in terms of our, our new work habits, why can it make us happier rather than more miserable and isolated, given that we no longer all have full-time jobs? Well, I originally wrote Flex back in 2017. Um, and my vision for Flex was really to understand how we can move away from quite rigid systems around the work, work and the workplace to more of a holistic vision of what flexibility could be. So that's flexible working, of course. So that means location flexibility, um, time flexibility, and all different types of flexibility when it comes to work. But also think outside the work, world of work and think in terms of flex within our homes flex within our minds and creativity, flex and our bodies, um, listening to our bodies and our circadian rhythms. Um, so for me, it felt like flex as an ideology was building um, and there was um, so many different trends that were coalescing to make it an idea that was reaching a tipping point. And then of course, 
um, the pandemic happened and suddenly everyone was forced to work from home. So for me, it's been a really interesting moment to see how these trends have reached fruition and the precise moment that we're living through uh, right now, which although um, so many of us are working from home, I would argue is, is not a flexible moment at all. Uh, you suggested that flex is an ideology. And as you say, this is the layout of the book, flex your mind, flex your work, flex your home, flex in the body, flex your future. What does flex mean? Um, what, 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 how, how do you define this word, Annie? So it's about um, being able to live and work at your very best and define your own templates of how that might be. So whereas in the past um, we would have a very um, centralised vision of what working was, where there'd be a centralised workplace and that would have very fixed working hours um, for people, um, the notion of flexibility would be uh, to be able to define uh, a, a rhythm and a pace and um, the hours of working, which suits you, uh, your abilities, uh, your responsibilities outside the world of work, your home responsibilities, your caring responsibilities, and allows you to, to live at your very best. Great children's books open up new worlds for discovery. With Literati Kids, your child can explore uncharted places every month with spellbinding stories handpicked by experts. Literati Kids is a try-before-you-buy subscription book club. Each month, Literati delivers five vibrantly illustrated children's books, bringing the immersive magic of reading right to your home. Literati's age-based book clubs ensure appropriate reads for your budding bookworm, whether they're snuggling with you for story time or letting their imagination roam free. Each book bundle is thoughtfully tailored by education experts with five stories meant to spark new interests and nurture a healthy curiosity. No more sorting through hundreds of titles trying to guess what your child will cherish. Literati sends you the best in children's literature. Choose to purchase the ones they love and send the rest back for free. From art and adventure to tales of compassion, each Literati box follows a new enriching theme. With personalised extras like stickers, surprises and special guest artwork, each box is a fun and fresh adventure. Head to literati.com slash keenon for 25% off your first two orders. Select your child's book club and start them on a literary journey like no other literati.com slash keenon is the only place to find 25% off your first two orders of this one-of-a-kind book subscription, the most joyful way to foster a lifelong love of learning. That's literati.com slash keenon. You, 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 you might sound to some critics like the marketing department of a company like Uber 
or Airbnb or perhaps even Amazon, these people who suggest that having all this flexible working conditions liberates you. But let me just quote um, Bruder on this from her book, Nomadland. She says, or she wrote, wages and housing costs have diverged so dramatically that for a number of Americans, the dream of a middle-class life has gone from difficult to impossible. As I write this, there are only a dozen counties in one metro area in America where a full-time minimum wage worker can afford a one-bedroom apartment at fair market rent. And the images for people watching this in the photograph are again taken by uh, Bruder of the new flex workforce. What would be your response to what in Silicon Valley at least is called the, the sharing economy, an economy of uh, precarious labor like Uber and Lyft uh, and Airbnb? Well, the flexible um, working economy does not have to be about a precariat. And I absolutely agree that um, flexible working should have around it the responsibilities um, of an employer to an employee. So, um, so this isn't this isn't about shifting responsibility onto the individual, but it's about creating a system, a new system of um, rights and responsibilities for workers, but without with allowing them the flexibility within that. You have a kind of manifesto, Annie, in the book. Uh, we call it a manifesto. Flex is a manifesto for living and working on your terms. It means looking at the established rigid ways of doing things and asking, is this really working for me? If, to, if the answer to that question is no, then read on because this book is for you. How do we escape then the nine to five or how do we escape the dullness, the, the mundane nature of work? We do that by, um, by really asking ourselves big questions about what matters to us at any given point. Um, and the reason I started with that is, is really to give people the opportunity to look within and ask themselves how best they could work. So I'm very, very conscious that the way that we've been working at the moment through this pandemic has um, actually disadvantaged women, particularly in the workplace. Um, so all the gains um, are on the cusp of being reversed for women. So, um, for example, three million uh, women in, in America have been forced out of the workforce since COVID. Um, and that's because of a huge number of things, including the great emotional load that have been placed on women's shoulders. So um, particularly when the schools have been closed and childcare has not been available, uh, that's all been placed on women's shoulders. And what we're living through at the moment has not been a moment of flex. Um, so, um, so, so there've been conditions which have been overwhelming and um, disempowering. And um, actually, when we live a work, live a life of flex, it's about being able to ask for the hours and for the conditions that will allow you to um, to be able to have a uh, a lighter load and a and a happier um, work life balance. Do you have some examples, Annie, of, of, of flex in action? The book is full of it, but who, who or what would you point to as a model for the future of flex? Well, recently Spotify has actually said that they would um, uh, allow everybody to work for their workforce to work from anywhere. 
Um, and they're also guaranteeing um, New York and San Francisco wages. So um, that allows for a distributed workforce where it doesn't matter about your geography, what matters about, is about your talent. And it also allows for a, a much more inclusive workforce. So anybody that might have been excluded from a workplace which was characterized by presenteeism and very long working hours and the fact that you had to have a commute to one particular place um, is being completely exploded and suddenly the workplace is 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 open to to all of those that might have um, that might have not been uh, in, included. Um, so working from anywhere from Spotify, from Salesforce, um, from a number of different companies really um, is is an interesting vision of what the future of flexibility could be. So that's geographical flexibility. I'm also interested in temporal flexibility. In other words, when you work during the day. Now, I think many of us um, shortcut to part-time working as a vision of what flex is. And actually, um, there's so many different definitions of, of what flex could be. And I talk through these in the book, anything from job sharing to um, to tweaking the hours during your day. So it might be shifting your hours later or earlier, depending on whether, for example, you are a morning lark or a night app a night owl. So, um, so there's a there's a huge amount to be done. Geographical um, flex is is I think the first massive step, but there's a there's a huge opportunity to think really creatively about what it could be. You mentioned earlier, Annie, uh, women and work is a strong element of that in your book. You you begin the book with a quote from Maya Angelou: "I am a woman, phenomenally phenomenal woman. That's me." Um, and you seem to argue that uh, female empowerment and flex are intimately bound up together. We've had some other people, though, on the show recently, again, like you, feminists or people concerned with women in the workforce, who, who I think would disagree. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the American journalist Sarah Jaffe. She has a book out, a new book out called Work Won't Love You Back, suggesting that um, work is not the fix for women. Uh, she quotes the Italian feminist Silvia Federici. Um, if only you could have an army of lovers, that army would be invincible, she says. Uh, love is the great anti-individuality. It's the great communizer. Are you convinced, uh, Annie, that work can liberate women, can balance uh, the, bank, the playing field when it comes to power relations, economic relations between the genders? Well, this is deliberately why I wrote a book where work was one of the chapters, um, but but not but it wasn't necessarily the centerpiece. And one of the things I focused on was actually women in the home and uh, flexibility within the home. And I love that quote that you just pulled out. Um, for me, um, without flex in the home and really understanding and shifting the spotlight, I think we've um, obsessed really about. Uh, work as being a um, focus for our identity and um, the more we work, the more money we earn, the bigger our title, the more successful we are as human beings. And for me, it didn't tell the whole story, um, which is why I wanted to shift the spotlight onto the home and try and understand what was happening there um, and how um, the majority of the household tasks um, 
and the caring responsibilities fall onto women's shoulders. Um, and so, for example, the proportion of women responsible for almost all of the childcare during COVID has increased dramatically um, dur during the pandemic. Um, and so for me, it, it really is about understanding what's happening outside you know, at the moment, the frame of our Zoom calls outside the workplace. Um, what is it that fulfills us? Uh, what is it that um, that nourishes us? Whether that be the relationships we have at home, our families, the ones we care for, the second shifts um, that we have at home, and how can we adjust our um, our working lives to reflect those needs? Because life throws curveballs at us at any point in our lives. Um, and how can we then have the adaptability to, to you know, sometimes um, amplify our careers because we want to lean into those, uh, or sometimes we want to lean into other areas. Of Do you choose that that term, lean in, uh, Annie? Uh, uh, provocatively, not everyone's a big fan of, of Cheryl Sandberg. Um, do you see your work and, and, and coming maybe as a, as a follow on to Sandberg, a lot of people see her as somewhat of a reactionary, as just the female version of Mark Zuckerberg or, Mark's, or, or, or Mark Benioff. Uh, do you see yourself as a radical? In your book, you talk about the old systems still persisting, um, bashing ourselves up against inflexible structures. Uh, are you a revolutionary? I think work, yes, I'd I think work needs to undergo a revolution right now because, um, because it's untenable for so many people. Um, and also the fact that we are walking into a mental health crisis um, and the rise of burnout in, in the workplace is, is considerable. Um, and it does feel like now is the chance to reinvent. Um, I've been tracking flexible working for over a decade and so many businesses said uh, it absolutely couldn't work. You know, um, it might work in that industry, but not in mine because of these demands and these constraints. And suddenly because of uh, the pandemic, there's been this, this this sudden fear-fueled rush to make working remotely a practical reality. Um, and huge problems have arisen in all of that, which we can discuss. Although you, 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 you say you're a, you're a supporter of the new rules at Salesforce or Spotify on work. You mentioned mental health. Um, we had the writer Roy Richard Grinker on the show recently, has a new book out, Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness. And in his modern history of mental illness, he places the challenge, the responsibility of work at the heart of, of the rise of mental illness in the modern age, our sense of guilt, perhaps coming out of the Protestant ethic. Um, how do we need to rethink work in our, in our heads? So much of that is this um, equation that we have, that we've bought into in this cult of busy, this cult of workism, which is that um, 
working long hours, productivity, um, climbing the ladder, uh, all of that is uh, a reason for being and is key to aspiration in our society. <clears throat> and once you um, think about where that takes us, so the extrapolation to that is longer and longer working hours um, and exhaustion and burnout and not having boundaries and not um, shutting the computer at the end of the day, having very blurred existences, whereas work leaks into home life and leisure goes out the window and rest and recuperation go out the window. Um, all of that is, is a huge urgent issue right now, um, now more than ever. And I think um, we need to add, we need to, um, as a society, place value in non-work. So place mm. value on sleep, place value on rest and leisure and hobbies and relationships and the stuff that takes place outside work. Um, That's all very well, Annie, but how do you explain that to these kinds of people, the, the people who need to earn their 12 or $15 uh, uh, an hour to survive? Well, they, they, this isn't to not to responsibilize the companies that are employing them. Um, the responsibility lies to um, have fair wages and to have basic rights and responsibilities, um, holidays and um, maternity leave and parental Guaranteed minimum income. Guaranteed minimum income, exactly. And so flexibility isn't about pushing people into precarity. Flexibility is about allowing them to work and live. And those two not be something which are mutually exclusive and colliding constantly with one another. We also had, an, and, and I, I'm not sure if you know his work, he's a, a Glasgow-based writer, Robert Ringham. He looks from this image as if he's in Glasgow. He's a little bit washed out. He, he's written a new book called I'm Out. It's an anti-work manifesto. It's a manifesto for avoiding work. Uh, so he spent his time essentially, or the, the book I'm Out, is a guide to surviving without having to work. Is that a rather male thing, do you think, Annie, the, this idea, well, if, if work's ruining us, we should just give it up? Is Ringham an example of a, of a, of a young man who has simply fled his responsibilities and, and fallen into a, a, a non-working utopia? Why do you think it's a male thing out of interest? Well, because he's male. Uh, and because it seems as if men, and I, and I don't want to speak on behalf of all men, but men often fall into these kind of maximalist solutions, either idealizing work or rejecting it entirely. The reason I bring that up, actually, is um, you had a really uh, nice tweet in response to why aren't there more women futurists piece in The Atlantic a few years ago. And you write, uh, if you ask me, the one reason why futurism as a discipline is so white and male is because white males have the ability to offer the most optimistic vision. Uh, so maybe rephrasing the question, are men optimists and women realists? Um, so, oh, I'm glad you picked out that, um, 
that tweet. That's not my quote, actually. That's a quote from one of the female futurists in the article. Um, okay, but you still, you, you, you've, uh, you've, you've verified it. I absolutely, and I completely stand by that. And I think it's really, um, in my day job is I run a cultural insight business called Starling, which tracks trends. And um, a lot of the work we do is, 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 is understanding the future and how things might be. And I think it's a really important thing because, um, because a lot of the way that male futurism has predicted these glossy, optimistic visions of the future, which are sort of the status quo, but on steroids. Or, 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 or conversely, the, the dystopianism of, of somebody like Ringham. Or the binary, exactly, a very binary vision of, of, what, it, of what it might be. And um, what I worry about is the people that talk about, you know, unchanging, unchanged, unchanging man, and the fact that, um, you know, the future is sort of like now but accelerated. Is that there's um, certain people where the the, the contemporary vision of what's going on right now is actually very comfortable for them and they have a vested interest in that continuing. And actually, when you look towards futures where you try and understand the neglected voices, the people that have been excluded um, from those stories, um, then we can create intentional futures which are progressive um, which are more inclusive and make things better for people rather than just more of the same and more of the same. And I think there's a really beautiful um, quote actually from Arundhati Roy um, and she talked about the pandemic as a portal. Um, I've actually got it on my wall, I can read it to you. She says, pandemics have forced humans to break away with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. And she says, we can walk through it lightly with little luggage, ready to imagine another world and ready to fight for it. And I find that very inspiring. As well, a yeah, and I think one of the reasons you find that inspiring, Annie, is because Roy mentions walking um you're a big fan also of walking you said the first reason to go for a walk is that we need to move more uh you seem to see walking as one of the the keys to creativity in a funny way you're like ringham on that ringham while he's giving up work is still very much in favor of walking do you think that um the subtitle of your book should be more about reinventing creativity for a smarter happier life than work and for you, work and creativity need to become interchangeable. And perhaps the way to those is by walking. One of the ways to those is by walking. I, um, I, 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 I think it's an important moment to be creative because we need to be able to reinvent work. We need to be able to re reinvent the home and, and what we're going through at the moment. In order to do that, we need to be able to be creative and in the beginning the first chapter of my book I talk about um, flex in the mind and and why this is a real moment for trying to be more creative um, one of the skills of the future uh, is creativity and yet the way we're living at the moment is conspiring to make us less creative so being chained to our our desks um, constantly looking at screens um, 
stuck in echo chambers where we're listening to the same voices over and over again. Um, all of that is, is squashing creativity. And I looked at an interesting studies which show actually when uh, new ideas happen when you're out of uh, the workplace, only nine nine percent of, of of fresh ideas happen when you're when you're sitting at, at your desk. Um, often, it's fans of walking meetings will tell you that actually some of the most interesting conversations and and breakthrough ideas happen when you're on the move. Um, perhaps when you're not sitting face to face, but you're in parallel walking next to each other. Annie, we all fancy ourselves as being creative. We all want to be more creative. One of my problems with this word creative and creativity um, is it's, it's, it's such an easy sell. You have one quote, think about fences for your creativity and you might push yourself beyond the status quo. Aren't these kind of statements sort of liable to fall into kind of parody? Creativity is something either you have and the, you, or you don't have. You can't be taught it. And there are so many books about how to become creative. No one ever really picks up a book about creativity and becomes creative. I, I don't agree. I think that um, thinking that you're either born with it allows certain lone eccentric geniuses to have um, a ring-fenced vision of what creativity can be and I think all of us can be creative you can um, you can be taught to be creative yeah that 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 quote that you pulled out was around fences and restraints to creativity and I think that's an interesting way to think about things um for example Dr Seuss uh who you quote in your book I should have had that quote as well exactly think left and think right think high and think Low, the things you can think if only you try. Um, his he actually at like Green Eggs and Ham um, was the result of a bet with his publisher to whether he could write a brilliant, uh, creative children's book only using fifty words. And so the idea, I I, I think we often get intimidated um, by being creative if we have a kind of limitless vista of you could you know, innovate around anything or be creative around anything, but actually fences or boundaries um, uh, to your creativity can actually help you, the, the freedom of a tight brief. I think we can learn anything from the past about work and creativity, Annie. Your book is, uh, I guess in many ways, the manifesto of, of futurism. We had the uh, the Anglo-African uh, uh, anthropologist, James Sussman on the show recently, his new book, Work, a, a Deep History from the Stone Age to the Age of Robots, uh, goes back in his anthropological studies to the Kalahari and the peoples of the Kalahari, who he suggests we can learn from in terms of their attitude towards work. Are, are there people or peoples from the past that we can learn from as we try to chart a, a better, more successful model for the work, working culture of the 21st century? Well, I think that I, I, I would find it hard to romanticize the past, which a past which had fewer rights um, for women and minorities. Um, but having said that, um, I talk about in my in my book, I actually talk about um, uh, Darwin and Wallace and 
how they both came to the theory of evolution at the same time and the, and thinking about creativity. And the reason why they did this is they both did lots of traveling, but they also read the essay that Malthus read it, uh, wrote at the same time. And that those two different things that were happening clashed together, allowed them to bisociate the ideas and make the cognitive leap to come up with something new. Um, so I think we can look to the past to try and understand um, not necessarily in, in the world of work, but that's, that's a particular un understanding of how by association or the clashing together of two different ideas can bring you to a, um, a, a fresh way of, of thinking about things and a breakthrough. In other words, Annie, you need to, to get Flex to read Flex and your new book. I don't know if it's a new book. It's certainly new in the United States and maybe it's got a new intro certainly right for our weird times, our COVID times of virtual work and Zoom calls and all the rest of it. Flex, Reinventing Work for a Smarter, Happier Life is an excellent read. It's, it's, it's jaunty, it's entertaining, it's full of interesting visions and, 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 and charts. Uh, you are stuck, Annie, in Wilsdon in Northwest London. Uh, as it happens, uh, my grandmother, Annie, another Annie, is buried in Wilsdon Cemetery, but um, you're very much alive. What in what else in addition to your new book, um, Flex, should people be reading in these strange times? I know you sometimes go to Wilsdon Cemetery uh, to, to walk your dog or your kids. I do, I do. Wilsdon Cemetery is incredibly beautiful. Um, I am reading, what would I recommend at the moment? I would recommend um, Can't Even by Anne Helen Peterson, uh, which is how millennials became the burnout generation. Hold it up, Annie, we can't see it. Lovely. Can't even, how millennials became the burnout generation. Um, I'm also um, reading Rest by Alex Sudran Kim Pang, um, which is all about um, the antidote to relentless work and burnout. Um, what other things that would I recommend? Oh, and I've just started on this Power Hour by Adrian Herbert, How to Focus Your Goals and Create a, love, uh, a Life You Love by Waking Up an Hour Earlier in the Morning. So those are the three things that I'm, I've got my head in at the moment. Well, that was our Power Hour, Annie. Uh, power Half Hour, anyway. The author of Flex, Reinventing Work for a Smarter, Happier Life. Strange times, Annie, require strange conversations. I want to thank you, and I want to wish you a very happy and healthy 2021. Lots of walking, and we'll have you back on the show to talk more about work in the 21st century. Thank you so much. Thanks, Angie. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Keynote, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism. Make sure to visit us at lithub.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would also help too. Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez 
and the team at LitHub Radio. See you next week, and thanks so much for listening.